Hello, I'm Cameron Penamone. And I'm Stephanie Ledesma. And this is Drunk, Drunk Art, Art Chat. Chat. you're not taking the allergy wait were you really struggling to get this i was kind of struggling to get it um working for some reason it's not usually a struggle but every once in a while garage band wants to put up its dukes and get down to it you can't see us dancing but we're dancing i'm on my end of things but stephanie is wearing a big fluffy furry blue coat which we should actually take a picture of you in it and then we can at some post point. it oh okay you right me? now yeah right right this second yeah right this second hang on okay. um, <laughs> um this is very exciting is opening um uh yes your hair looks perfect all of the time that's adorable okay okay Okay. everybody what's up (laughs) we'll post that picture at some point you probably it's probably already up by the time this episode is up so probably go look at it on our instagram but enough about us (laughs) yes this podcast isn't about us actually well kind of but no no, no. (laughs) um it's february and do you know what february means means it means black history month I thought you were actually going to say Valentine's for a second, and I was like, whoa, I'm like, no. okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but it also is my birthday month. It's my <laughs> birthday month. Yeah, the last time you heard me, I was in my 20s. Now that you're hearing me, I'm in my 30s, so Woo! mind blown. But more importantly, it is Black History Month, and we are so sorry that the first episode of this month uh, was kind of a ball drop. Yeah. Um, but the cold got to us, and the, we couldn't do it. Yeah, the polar vortex... Mm. Um, Kind of just gone the way of things. Mm-hmm. So inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chicago shut down for like two days. Not yeah. really, but you know. One day for sure. One like, day for sure. Mon- but the second or Wednesday day was really bad. Like people were just out and about, like, I guess we're just doing this. Yeah, they give a shit anymore. <laughs> um, Lance Chicago. But we did want to do some um, black history, art history, ultimately themed um, mm-hmm. episodes as best as we can uh, to try and honor and celebrate the month and black artists. And, you know, I mean, we should actually just do this all year, <laughs> but but we have a topic today. Yeah, what are we talking about, Cam? What are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, uh, we have our artists. This is our artist profile episode. Yeah. So we have a specific artist we'd like to talk to you about. Yes. Uh, so this month we want to talk a little bit about Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, I'm sorry if we pronounce it wrong because it's French. Yes, it is a French name, but Basquiat is not actually French. Oh, it isn't? Well, he he is not. I'm saying he's oh, Haitian yes. and um, he's Haitian and Puerto, Puerto Rican. His mm-hmm. mom being Puerto Rican and his dad uh, being Haitian. Yeah, which Stephanie um, confirmed for me earlier that uh, French is a 
popular language in English, French, Haiti. and Haitian Creole mm-hmm. are the languages spoken in Haiti. Yes. So, um, hence why he has a French name. Mm-hmm. And um, he is an American artist. Um, you know, all, with all this re- research, didn't even think about where he was born, but he grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. So, New York American mm-hmm. artist, mm-hmm. born in December 22nd. On uh, in 1960 in oh in New York City I have it in my notes I have it in my notes <laughs> good job <laughs> good job and um, he is part of the 27 Club uh, he died at 27 due to a heroin overdose uh, same as um, Cobain and Winehouse I mean yeah. not overdose not the but, yeah but, but that they died at 27 yes, Club 27 um so in this podcast or this episode we're gonna. We will kind of give a brief overview of his life, but want to talk a little bit more about a few specific pieces. Yes. I think. Um, so just overall, like, Basquiat lived a very, like, just quick, fast. Life. Like, wild yes. sort of life almost. Yeah. When he was 15, he ran away from home and just was homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was, like, living on the streets at first, but he was always making art. We'll get into it a little bit, but he kind of, I think he sort of started off doing graffiti and street art. Yeah, he would sell, like, little graffiti postcards, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how he lived off in the streets. Yeah. So, but then he made a big jump into, like, the high-end, like, high art scene mm-hmm. like, gallery. Made it huge. Like, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess that's one thing he's very well known for, is just, like, that success was so fast. Yeah. I mean, I think that it actually, and I feel like we might have talked about, not this specifically on the podcast, but I know that sometimes you'll, like, point this out during certain just talks or whatever. But I feel like this all started to happen when he was, like, in his early, early, early 20s and, and um, like, sort of before maybe his brain was fully matured. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, how the I age? talk about 25, <laughs> 25 well, is the yeah. age um, where you fully, like, a human mm-hmm. fully stops um, developing around that age. And, and when stuff like this, it's not obviously not – necessarily traumatic but it's extremely dramatic when stuff like this happens in a person's life it can be a lot when your brain is still developing yeah um and in in stuff that i've seen it sounds like people took note of that like in the beginning it was just energy 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 like all exciting all the time and like art 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 but then like the fame was also coming with that and it was a lot all at once and like people began to feel like he was really starting to deteriorate very quickly too yeah the pressure yeah it's almost like he lived a lifetime in his 20s <laughs> it yeah i mean his art career was very small even though he was doing art from an early age because it was his mom that actually was an artist and mm-hmm. got him into art um and he also you know just did like a lot of projects before um he got famous, like, he was illustrating children's books and, you know, doing the graffiti. Mm-hmm. So, he's always been an artist, but I guess his art lifespan, I don't know how to describe it, like, when he was well-known, was very, his art career, yeah. thank you, was very short. Yeah. Um, Tech, well, yeah, because his life was short. And the, 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 but he made over 1,000 paintings and 1,000 drawings, according to the movie that I watched. So it could be, you know, more than that. But um, Let's talk yeah. about his style of art. 
Yeah. So um, people describe his style. Actually, if you don't know who he is, you've probably seen his work Mm -hmm. and had some thoughts about it. I don't know what kind of thoughts, if, you know, if they were (laughs) polarizing or not, but you probably had some thoughts not realizing you were looking at his pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, His art has been described as primitive street style graffiti and Mm neo-expressionism. Children, if you don't know what (laughs) neo-expressionism is, it was an art movement in the late 70s to mid-19, well, 1980s, Um, and the definition that I pulled up. The actual definition is a revival of expressionism in art characterized by intense colors, dramatic, usually figural forms, and emotive subject matter. And um, it was developed as a reaction to conceptual and minimal art. So return Mm. and back, it was like a return to portraying recognizable objects um, such as the human body. I think that was the main a thing like let's return back to portraying humans um and um it was mostly made in a rough and violently emotional way mm-hmm. with vivid colors mm-hmm. so there you go that's your description <laughs> which i think definitely it describes his work quite well um i don't know if one could even really like <laughs> like i don't know he so much of what he does is just it's you can definitely tell he has a very 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 strong style um very distinguishable very distinguishable um i think the only time that it starts to kind of break away from his like very very like known style is towards the end yeah when you showed me that piece in the same year that he died it looked pretty different different and yeah we'll talk about why but um is there anything else that we want to kind of mention about his life and stuff like that before we get into the pieces that we want to talk about? I don't know, because I, I feel like if we do, then it just turns into like a biography, which yeah. <laughs> um, you should actually watch the movie um, Bas- Basquiat. Basquiat? Basquiat. Bas- Basquiat. Yeah. <laughs> I keep fucking up his name. Okay. I just want to say like everything that's not his name. Um, he There's actually a biopic that mm-hmm. I found interesting. Um that portrays his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when the last time I saw it, which I was very young, just remember like it was very depressing because you know they depicted mm-hmm. his you know him being homeless. I mean it's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, shall we get to the art? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we do the the documentary that I watched was called The Radiant Child and it is free on YouTube <laughs> if you want to watch that. Um, all about his life. I feel like. Here's the thing. We could go through, like, his life, but there's so many, so many other people have, like, done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I've... like, I would recommend reading up about him and also, sorry, this sounds lazy, but I just feel no. like, you know, there's, like, a really great biopic you should watch. Like, yeah. watch that and, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, the point of this episode is to talk about his art specifically because that's, you know, our podcast. (laughs) And the impact it has and, like, why is he he important in art? Why? Mm -hmm. Why? Actually, if you do look up the definition, neo-expressionism, his artwork is literally, like, the first thing Mm -hmm. that comes up. So, So. like, he's kind of the poster child of that art Mm -hmm. movement. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to burp. Sorry, excuse me. Um... Good old ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. We're keeping it sober again. So <laughs> deal with it. Um, 
So, uh, well, oh yeah, so we were going to talk about some early work, which kind of is linked to like his, his graffiti um, and street work. So he would like write these little lines all over, I, I'm guessing New York. I'm not entirely sure where in New York, but um, that were just... Uh, they kind of made him achieve fame. Um, this mm -hmm. is kind of how he got famous, um, became a famous artist, was because he was a part of Samo. I think um, he, he would correct you and say Samo. Samo. And I, I know that because that. I saw him correct somebody, and I'm just... <laughs> no, I just, I'm looking I, at it right now, and it, I saw that it says pronounced Samo. Yeah, because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, Samo. Samo. <laughs> um, Samo. Samo. Okay. Which, uh, what did you say? That sense stands for same old shit? Same old shit, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a common graffiti tag used on the streets of New York City from 1977 to early 1980, because I'm looking at the definition <laughs> right now. Um, so he was, uh, I believe he was part of a duo, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was part of a duo when he was doing um, the tag for Samo. Um, it was between him and L. Diaz, a friend. Mm. So they would go around New York City tagging that. Mm -hmm. And the one that we have pulled up, just as like a general example, it says, as a conglomerate of dormant genius. And that's it. That's all it says. <laughs> um, and it's written like on a wall that kind of juts out as well as like is pushed further back. I don't know. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a garage, I guess, where it just kind of, he finished yeah. it on two different surfaces. Um, uh, I, I feel like... He, there was something in that documentary about like he just said that he would kind of just like write what he was whatever he would think of sometimes they would repeat but usually he tried to write new ones and they're always really short generally it's nothing like super long to me it almost reads as like a what is that called like um train of thought or you know like when you don't really you're just kind of writing Oh, I thinking. stream of consciousness. Stream of that's it. Thank stream you. Of consciousness. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he was a poet too. So mm -hmm. not only was he known as an artist, he did poetry, graffiti work, and then he was also in a band too, making music for a little bit because you mentioned that at some point. Yeah, he was in a band called Gray, which I guess they named after Gray's Anatomy, the book. Obviously oh. not the show. <laughs> <laughs> not um, the show. And because uh, his mother had given him a Grey's Anatomy book when he was little and I guess in the hospital. Yeah, because he uh, got hit by a car. Right, yes. And that that sometimes shows up in some of his works. We're not going to talk about any of those, but there are some pieces that show like cars and crashes and violence and stuff like that that might have been in relation to that. I love how his mom gave him that book. It's like, know. hey, you're healing right now. Here's a book about, you learn know, about learn it. about your, the human body. Here you go. <laughs> Have fun. Knock yourself out. God. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, like, go off, but, like, I just, or off topic, really. I just think about that in terms of, like, the whole time I was watching that documentary, I was like, God, it must have been so nice to not have, like, smartphones and computers and stuff like that. Like, he just focused on his art. Um but at the same time, it also was, like, a lot, a lot, a lot. But I always kind of wonder what these types of artists would have done had they lived to see the technology. Would they have used it 
I think he would totally reject, reject it. it. Yeah. He seems like the type of artist that would reject it, but... Yep. Uh, so he... Just from, like, tagging uh, Samo um, everywhere, he, you know, became known for that. Mm-hmm. And I think people just only associated it with him for some time, but he uh, would always mention that Al Diaz, you know, was him and Al, not mm-hmm. just him. Mm-hmm. Interested so. in the... I mean, it just looks like a tag. I I don't know. I well, guess maybe it was more fascinating at the time to see a tag. <laughs> True. I think it is interesting because it's like, you know, it's in this sort of like grungy back alley looking place, but it's it's like a little bit of like poetry back there, which you don't really see. And it's like, funny that you say that because I'm looking at a quote. Art critic Jeffrey Deitch called it disjointed and street poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't go anywhere interested in Lower Manhattan without noticing that someone named Samo had been there first. <laughs> so yeah. I think probably experiencing the graffiti rather than looking at a photo is much more True. entertaining. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, just finding it everywhere you go. Do you think any of it's still around? I wonder. That would be awesome. If there it was, would like, be still... really cool, but I don't know. Doubt just what... <laughs> Buildings coming down, being repainted, and... I don't know. You never know. Someone let us know. <laughs> yeah. If you live in New York, I, I guess that's the thing. Since we don't yeah. live in New York, we we can't verify this. But if you live in New York and you know that at this point, if it's still up there, it would probably be like in a plaque. Like, <laughs> yeah. There would be some sort of recognition by it. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how it all started. And like, as he kind of got to know people in the artist community... Um, I think they all started just knowing each other and doing creative projects together, but he was also a painter and an, like an, I don't know if you would call him an illustrator, but he did drawings as well. Um, so should we move on to yeah. one of the earlier paintings that he did? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, and we'll try again, as usual, we'll try to put these on our Instagram so you can follow along. Um think we're allowed to do that yeah (laughs) okay of course we'll credit them um so the first one we're looking at is called the irony of the negro policeman which feels very relevant for today as well yes it does um so what are we we maybe we should describe it first before anything else very uh primary colors right lots of red yellow blue which blue and yellow feel very police like it's like um it's like a more of a navy i guess like a police uniform you would imagine yeah and um it was intended to um sorry i'm reading this straight off wikipedia mm, just because good. the way they wrote it was very well um just, he was intended to illustrate his belief in american african americans um being controlled predominantly by caucasian society so mm-hmm felt like this was pretty relevant um Mm -hmm. he actually did a lot of pieces about um being black and Mm -hmm. just um he did others about police brutality as well which was um obviously a thing back then too um there was i think he a, a couple of his pieces were inspired by a really really bad case of um that led to death um where and it was very, very specific to, to, like, him, because, like, there was a graffiti artist, and I'm totally blanking on the name, and I'm sorry, um, who got, who was arrested for, for vandalizing in a, on a train, um, 
I think he was just tagging something. The cops, uh, I don't know if they actually arrested him, but they beat him to death just for, for tagging. And that really, really affected um, Basquiat and he made some other works. I don't think, I don't know if it was just because of that. Obviously, like, he was very conscious and aware of the the culture um, and, the way, and the racism and all of that sort of um, that environment being so vile and like the underbelly of everything, which is now kind of the outer belly of America. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's that kind of stuff that would like not get onto the news back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, whereas now it's starting to get yeah. into the news now. Yeah. Um, this painting was made in 1981. Um, and the media he used uh, was acrylic crayons and canvas. So yeah. that kind of explains what some of how it looks. I There's certain it... blended parts that do look very, like, almost pastel-y, but I guess that would be the crayon. Um, he, so in general, his style is very, like... Scribbly. Scribbly. It's sort of described as, like, childlike... Um, the interesting thing is, as I was, like, looking at more of his pieces, I didn't get that same, like, ugh, what, that I got about Cy Twombly. Or that I get about Pollock. <laughs> or that you get about Pollock, yeah. Like, this, it, it is childlike, but it's almost like, um, it's like when you're, like, a little bit older. <laughs> like, the Cy Twombly stuff just felt like, I don't know, like a baby scribbling to me. But again, I'm still working on trying to accept and understand his work. I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know. But, I don't know, Basquiat's, it, it just, there's like this accessibility to it, I guess. Like, um, you I mean, understand what that, nice. right, and you understand what that figure is right away. And also there's text, but, um, like, there's just lots, it, It's a, there's a lot going on in it. I don't know, I guess that has a nice flow. Mm-hmm. I he don't uses... know if that's the best way to describe what I'm thinking, but it just, it feels right. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, there's something about it that it just, like, it's correctly placed, and, like, it, all the lines feel very intentional, even though they're, like, they come off scribbly at first glance, but if you really follow them, there's, like, intention there. Um... It's just really good. <laughs> I don't know. I really like it. And then just going back to the concept, basically, mm-hmm. um, obviously the title gives it away. Mm-hmm. Um, he just felt that it was like very ironic that anyone um, who would consider some who would consider themselves, uh, you know, black would volunteer to become a policeman mm-hmm. and then you know turn their backs on other black people just um i think there's a pawn should be somewhere yeah pawn yeah like they're just being pawns in does that say life under it it's hard to tell left left um yeah he would use text in a lot of his work um which i personally love it makes me feel very validated because i really like using text too um even though I stop myself most times because I'm I have a stupid inner judge that doesn't let me do it but I really like what he does with the text and like he all there was a a little 
snippet clip of that documentary that I watched where he talked about some of his use of text and like somebody asked him like why do you cross out so many words there's not really anything crossed out in this piece but in a lot of his pieces there are like repeated words and crossed out words and he said something that I thought was really interesting and just so simple he was like well I cross words out because it makes you want to look at it more (laughs) like if something is censored it means you're gonna want to see it um which I think is cool like (laughs) such a good simple idea Especially for this kind of work, like yeah, you know? I, I mean everything's scribbly, yeah, and there's lines, but they there's like a design works. quality to it. Yeah, though. sorry, I keep getting close to the mic because I'm like looking at the oh, piece. I should pull right. it up on my should... no, you're fine. Yeah, we're looking at it off my laptop, so it's not like we have the live pieces in front of us, unfortunately. But <laughs> do what we can. Yeah, so that one you should take a look at it. It's pretty relevant. This was on canvas? This was on canvas, yeah. Uh, Crayon and acrylic on canvas. Um, Pretty relevant to... Still relevant to what's going Mm on. Sadly. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, it's it's such a beautiful piece. Like, I just really love it. And they actually sell prints of that. So Mm -hmm. there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go if you want to get it. Um, Should we move on to the next one? So the next one didn't happen much later uh it's literally the next year but 1982 but this is around when it started he started to get real famous i believe yes this money. one actually was in the news um only mm. two years ago mm-hmm. so this one we're looking at the one untitled um that's not helpful but this is the <laughs> one that sold for 110.5 million dollars at an auction um, and that was in May, that was on May eighteenth in twenty seventeen. It sold, um, this painting mm-hmm. uh, depicting a skull's head. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And honestly, I love the colors. Yeah, it's super vivid. So this is when when we mentioned, or well, well Stephanie did mention <laughs> the um, definition of neo expressionism. Yes. Like, I think this is it. <laughs> this kind of embodies all that. And this painting is actually pretty big. I don't know the exact size of it, but you can find this, like, a picture of this painting with someone standing next to it, and it has mm-hmm. to be at least 40 by 60. It looks huge. Yeah, it's it might even be bigger than that. Um, it's pretty massive. So I zoomed in on it a little bit because I just noticed something in the mouth. Are these, is this a photo? It looks like paint tubes. Almost. Yeah, it does. Like, I'm literally thinking about, like, the paint tubes hanging up at Blick. Like, <laughs> like that's how they looked, like, on the shelves. I cannot tell. No, it col- does. I, he does collage does he, work. Yeah, yeah, so it might so be paint it tubes. It totally could be, like, or some a sort skull. Of yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, this piece in particular, if you're not looking at it, it's um, basically just a big skull head, but it kind of looks more human. Like, there's a lot more human it, it looks like there's dreadlocks on the skull, right? Mm-hmm. Do you read that? Or no? I do. just me. I do. And I have a, I have a little learning thing um, about that word. Oh, what, um, more dreadlocks? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. Probably shouldn't call them dreadlocks. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I actually didn't know this until a friend of ours taught us this as well. Um, just usually locks is probably better um, because dread comes from the idea of them being dreadful. Oh. So well, just for everybody listening, yeah. 
just I be learned something new. Aware of that, yeah. And now we all learn something. And I'm new. sure, uh, you know, I think I've said it since learning that, not really thinking. So it's all good. Like we make mistakes, it's okay. I just try to not do it again. Not not you. I'm you know what I mean. <laughs> well, yes, you. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Oh. No, I, I want to be corrected <laughs> on that stuff because I don't want to keep calling something that's not. Oh, <laughs> if it's not that word, then no, <laughs> like yeah. let's stop calling it that word. Yeah. Are, oh, I thought oh, you were sorry. cheersing me. Cheers. Um, yeah. Cheers to, like, being a better human and <laughs> yeah. working upon, you know, being a better mm, human. Be better. Just do better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's keep talking about the art. Yeah. Um, what else is in this piece? It looks, it's all looks primary like, colors again. It is a lot of primary colors. There's some mixtures. I see some teals and stuff like that, but I think there's more collaging in here than I realize. Like, the more I'm looking at it there's something under the paint there's a crossed off word yeah well i mean or crossed off initials (laughs) ag it's either ag or to me i i first read it because okay so in the bottom left hand corner there's like a crossed off letters um i thought this was like a capital a and lowercase a oh yeah that could be it looks Um, like a g to me too but could be a g and then there's just like an possibly an l or maybe part of (laughs) like the the figure i don't know right next to it but it's it's interesting and on the far right hand corner there's um like sort of a sushi thing it looks almost like a wishbone um don't know if that was intentional or not don't care i like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) like i really respond to like the lines i feel like i do this a lot in my own stuff too like where i just want to keep making hashes hash marks everywhere um almost looks like stitches and there, I can't really tell what's happening at the very top, but, so Basquiat, actually none of the pieces that we're talking about have this, but Basquiat was also very famous for making little crowns on everything. Yeah. Um, that was his symbol. Mm-hmm. It was very, like, like when you think of Basquiat, I, a lot of people tend to think of the little crown. Um, yeah, he made some, like, logos, I believe, for folks, too, and Sugar, Sugar Ray, was it actually Sugar Ray Leonard, or was it different (laughs) there's there's a very 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 simple piece that involves the crown um that is linked to sugar ray and i believe it's the boxer he was he had like an interest in boxing um wait sugar ray is in the band well it is a band but they're named after the a boxer oh gotcha Mm -hmm. yes i believe you're actually right but you may look it up just in case um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if he actually did that for for the boxer. Anywho, um, it almost looked at the top of this painting, though, there's like something on top of the skull or the head that looks, I first read it as like a... It kind of looks like tic-tac-toe, yeah, honestly. Yep. Um, yeah, um, in this description I'm looking at for this painting, it people just describe it as symbols above the head. Mm. Um, so there are... But it's, it, like, clearly X's and O's in, like, squares. <laughs> it really looks like tic-tac-toe. It does look like tic-tac-toe. But, okay. <laughs> um, I think there's some A's. No, maybe not some A's. It looks like S's up there's there. There's some S's. It's, it's interesting. But that's the thing with these paintings. It's like, you can spend a lot of time in just one section. <laughs> or you can back up and look at the whole thing as a whole and, like, take it all in, but... There's I've, just a lot to see in every single one. I would love to see this in person. 
Although now it's, you know, owned by someone who bought it for mm. $110.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, just because this painting is actually huge. So, you know, just looking on the screen, you kind of think it's going to be small, but it's actually a really, really big painting. Um, Sugar Ray Robinson. I don't know if that's the same person or if that's a different person because I don't know anything about boxing. And, um... Why were there... If that was a different person, why were there two different Sugar Rays? I don't know. But, yeah, even though this Untitled is about a skull, and I guess, you know, skulls are associated with death and uh, kind of morbid, like, this is a very high-energy, very bright painting, and I hope you are looking at it as you are listening to us, because it's definitely worth looking at, and man, that's just so intense. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it was very good, and I would, yeah, I I would also love to really see this uh, in person. In person, yeah. And, I mean, it's relevant, because, I mean, only two years ago, it sold for that much. That's how much, uh, Basquiat's worth. Basquiat. Yeah. Basquiat. 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 You got it. Keep fucking up that French word. Or that's not even French, you told me. (laughs) No, I think it is. Oh, he's not French is what we were saying. Although, I did actually, he, he... He speaks French. He speaks French. Or, he apparently speaks, or, well, spoke. I mean, he's obviously... Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I'm like, I like how we're treating him like he's alive. Um, it's so, it, well, it's weird because, like, he's, he would be our age. Like, not now, obviously, but, like, he lived to be, like, this age, you know? Like, so yeah. I relate a lot to, like, just, I don't know, a lot of his impulses and stuff and his work is just so, like, I'm so drawn to it. Also, but, he was trilingual. Yeah. Spanish, trilingual. English, and French. Which, apparently, a lot of geniuses are that. So, I am not a genius. <laughs> oh, shush. Was he, wasn't he considered a genius? I yes. Think I, yeah, he was considered, considered a genius. I don't know if a prodigy, necessarily, but definitely a genius. People really... I mean, just the whole... His whole trajectory was considered, like, pretty um, extraordinary. It is. All right. And now we are looking at Riding with Death. Which we're jumping really to the end here. Yeah, we are. Sorry about that. Um, that was created in 1998. No, oh, 1988. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Um, don't not know why I thought 98. Um, yes, that was created in 1988. Um, acrylic colored chalk and canvas. And mm-hmm. it's definitely everything else that we it, like it just doesn't look like his style to be honest there are like hints of it i think but first of all no primary colors anywhere to be seen it's like all neutrals browns and sort of like a deep red and like a brick red and like he's, the the figure is riding a like a, a skeleton skull thing horse i don't know could be a human um it's it's also facing to the, the left. <laughs> well, yeah, as we're looking at it, it's heading to the left. But, which I've read that um, can indicate, like, a preoccupation with the past. 
which is interesting. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But also, it's just way less busy. Like, it's super simple. There's one focus, and it's this figure riding with death. <laughs> this was made in uh, the same year that he died. And mm-hmm. actually, a quick note, a year prior, Andy Warhol died in February 1987. Very, it affected him quite a bit. Um, we didn't talk about this, but um, he was, I mean, he got involved in the factory and became friends with Andy Warhol. And you said something really interesting, like he inspired Andy Warhol to draw again? Or yeah, paint? a lot of people thought it was the other way around, I guess. Um, and this is all just like from the research that I did, so don't quote me. Um, but it seems as though the sense was that like people are like, Andy Warhol had kind of, like, I don't want to say, like, fizzled out necessarily, but he wasn't as famous when Basquiat was, like, in his radar or, like, working with him. But people were under the assumption that, like, Andy Warhol took Basquiat under his wing and, you know, like, was being the mentor and so forth. They were great friends, it seemed like, but... Um, and there may have been some mentor- yeah. mentorship mentorship there may have been some mentorship Mentorship. yeah um however apparently like when they were like working together Basquiat um kind of like inspired Warhol to start drawing again which he hadn't done for years and like Stephanie said he wasn't (laughs) this is the opposite of being an art director sometimes so (laughs) um which is essentially kind of what he did in the art world like he had ideas, and then other people sort of helped produce yeah, he them. Yeah, just like an art director. Yeah. Um, just saying. Yeah, it's true. But so, I mean, Andy Warhol stuff probably really influenced his art at this point. It really affected him, I think, because also, <laughs> sorry, I know we said we weren't really going to get too much in his life, but um, before he died, Basquiat and Warhol had... I don't want to say a falling out, but Basquiat kind of was upset because he and Warhol did a, like a collaboration show, like a little show. Well. People, the criticisms of it were really bad, and it really, really, really affected Basquiat. And he sort of, I think, like I don't want to say blamed Warhol, but wasn't like he just couldn't be around him anymore. So he like shot off to Hawaii or like just went away. Um, and then never really kind of, like, made up with Warhol before he died. So, damn sad. Yeah, he felt he was really affected by it. Um, yeah, and uh, I think the other thing, too, about it is that, like, nobody expected Warhol to die. He died after, like, a gallbladder surgery, something really common. And That is really common. That's something I'm actually like they're looking at for me to do actually (laughs) like remove my gallbladder (laughs) also older i think like i don't know and also probably the technology wasn't there right and like apparently his heart just stopped beating and that was Mm -hmm. it like essentially nobody expected it to happen so that's another sort of factor into how fucking fucked that was and probably affected him um but yeah so kind of all that to say like he focused a lot on death towards the end, which is kind of scary, because, <laughs> like, it was his last year of living as well. He didn't know that, but he, a lot of his pieces had some sort of mention of death. 
and like mortality. Pretty minimal for him too. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's I also like his only focus. read that uh, some of his work towards the end of his life was very minimal, and people kind of thought it was maybe like a suicide note because mm. it was just such a turn for his art. Like, it's just dying. Yeah. Like, because it's true. Like, there's, like, so much energy and, like, life in the earlier pieces, it seems like. And then the later pieces are a little bit thinner. They almost look emaciated and more minimal. There's so much space in this. Mm -hmm. There's no words. It's just, like, two figures smack in the center. Chills. (laughs) It's, it's makes me a little uneasy it's a little unsettling and if you don't know how he died um he uh overdosed on heroin and he was 27 mm-hmm. yeah very young super super tragic it's like there is still some energy in this piece like in the background like you can see all of the brush strokes but it's fa- it's like it's in the background it's like not prominent it just gives this general sense especially if you know sort of the trajectory of his work and his life like it's just you know this is like a bad time for him and it turned out to be the worst time when was this painted made do we know oh i like Uh, when was it february i think i read or but if it was, then didn't he also die in February? No, he or... di- that was uh, Andy Warhol. Andy oh, Warhol Andy, died in mm. February of um, 1987. Uh, Basquiat died in on August 12th in 1988. So I was just wondering, like, when this was made. Um, hmm. Like, if there was a month. Like, how close to his death was. Because um, he ended up overdosing in his art studio um, on Great Jones Street in Manhattan's uh, NoHo neighborhood. Um, so yeah, got a little sad there for a second. Super (laughs) sad. But, I mean, ultimately, like, he made a huge impact in art history, in the art world. He, I believe, inspired quite a few artists. Um, it's just his, the thing about it, though, is, like, he was, I think he was, like, massively, massively famous at the time. And so quickly. Um, yeah, you were mentioned earlier, we were talking on the CTA about how, like, he's one of the few artists where he actually got famous during the time he was alive. Right. Um, and maybe he couldn't handle that, too. I mean, a lot of people definitely, um, were under that impression, I think. Um, he also, I guess, like, generally sort of had a change of attitude when he started hanging out with, like, Andy Warhol and stuff, and, like... Everyone has a change of attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. People kind of found him to be a little more, um, like, artificial, I guess. Um, although it's interesting because, like, in interviews that I've seen of him, he just has this really, like, calm, almost shy demeanor. Like, he just seems like a really gentle person, um, but did a lot of wild things and made this crazy, like, energetic art but he just seems very serene. And I guess one of, like, the things you can take away about Basquiat is that 
you know, he was just a simple graffiti artist and Mm. that he got noticed by, you know, art galleries and just quickly rose to fame. Uh, He sold one piece for, what did I read, Mm $25,000 in like one one night he was homeless and then the next night he's, he has $25,000 in his hands. Like he just rode to fame, rose to fame, like so quickly, like so yeah and uh i also had read or seen that he um sorry i'm distracted because i'm also trying to figure out when this painting was made oh i'm sorry (laughs) no it's okay we can let it go i was just wondering how close to his death was (laughs) but uh that like one of his solo shows sold every single piece in one night and made two two hundred thousand dollars like in a night and that's insane (laughs) yeah and for someone who wasn't like you know that happened before he was 27 Mm -hmm. you're 25 when you fully develop like Mm -hmm. that's a lot of pressure yeah one last thing that that actually kind of reminded me of um kind of uh, to circle back to this piece but in his earlier works and stuff uh evidently he was like um inspired by everything like he would have books open tv on music going like all at once and like would just kind of work oh people would be around like he would have company over like everything like (laughs) going on and so you can see a lot of that like noisiness and energy in his earlier pieces and when you think about that like looking at his later works where it's a little bit more simple and a little bit more death focused it's it's even more unsettling and a little bit like sad probably because he was isolating himself mm-hmm. there was really not that much else like i think in his world he just kind of he pulled that energy into his work but all all of it across the board is just like i really like all the pieces that we looked at you know i think it they're all really good yeah mm-hmm. um so next time you look up the word neo-expressionism, don't be surprised if, like, one of the first images is uh, Basquiat. Yeah. Piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, you should definitely check him out. Definitely um, look up that documentary and biopic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry we didn't get too much into his, like, you know, I feel bad now that I'm just like, it's not about, like, his, <laughs> like, life. We're not going to talk about that. Like, we want to talk about the art, but, you know... Um, well, and then, yeah, I think, you know, just, the, just consider this episode just a hyper-focused, <laughs> hyper-focused on art <laughs> and art. a little taste, a little teaser a little for you to actually <laughs> research him yourself and check out those movies and, mm-hmm. and actually look at his work. Cause yeah. I think it's worth checking out. Absolutely. It's work I usually would not like. I know that. I think that's, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always talk about how I don't really like abstract or, like, minimalism, but for some reason I do like his work a lot. I think um, Cam mentioned this before, like, it kind of reminds them of, like, the Harry Who, and I Mm -hmm. I see that, the the exhibit we went to and the collaborative. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, there's just something, I think it is the energy, I keep using that word, but something about that in his uh, pieces I'm really drawn to. I mean, it's interesting because it's like, there's, sure, you can say there's energy in, in Pollock and Cy Twombly's work, of course, but the juxtaposition, 
that Basquiat uses of that energy and the figure and and um, the words, the and... words, the commentary he's making. I think there's just so much more to it. I don't know. There's it's layered, you know. You could just spend a lot of time in it. Yeah, and uh, since we're talking about Basquiat and we mentioned Andy Warhol, something a little bit relevant. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts on that Burger King commercial <laughs> featuring Andy Warhol? Well, I just saw it for the first time today, like before recording, because I didn't watch the the big game because um, I don't care, and I did not know that was a thing until Stephanie told me about it. Yeah, um. I, the only reason I, so I don't watch the Super Bowl, but I will look up the Super Bowl commercials because I think they're more interested. And I was super stoked about the Handmaid's Tale third season mm. commercial and the scary stories to tell in the dark. Holy shit. They had commercials I'm so for that. I'm that movie, but I can't wait. Um, we should go see it. Yes. Um, but then, you know, I saw that Burger King uh, showed Andy Warhol eat a, in a eating a burger uh for 45 seconds uh, so it was 45 seconds oh, okay but the uh, full the full video, <laughs> video is actually roughly like a little bit more than four minutes yeah. so cam and i watched that um <laughs> i've actually seen it before the commercial so i thought it was very surprising that burger king would somehow get the rights like i'm still questioning like did Burger King have to pay to use this? Because, like, it's Maybe. fucking Andy Warhol. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like, how did they get this? Yeah. I don't know. I feel kind of eye-rolly about it. <laughs> because it's like, I don't I don't understand why. Maybe it's, it, you know what, to some degree, maybe they're just getting the same reaction out of me that Andy Warhol got out of people back in his day. <laughs> so, good on you, Burger King. I don't know. <laughs> I still really like Burger King of its own merits. They don't need to use Andy Warhol. Um, but I just, I kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like get, like, why do they think Andy Warhol was a good sort of marketing i mean we had talked about it before like he's still super ubiquitous and everywhere it's just it just seems random i don't know (laughs) i'm not sure how burger king got like that video in its radar because um so andy warhol eating that burger burger was originally from a 1982 film called 66 scenes from america by um directed by jordan leth um, and Jordan Leth was just trying to, you know, basically just capture moments. And mm-hmm. he wanted, he was kind of obsessed with Andy Warhol, wanted to film Andy Warhol eating the burger. And I guess, you know, the commentary was like, this is like American food. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are symbols in America, the Heinz ketchup and the Burger King. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um don't know how Burger King got their hands on it or even <laughs> knew it existed, but now we have that. What are your thoughts on that commercial, people? Let us know. I just, I think I had the same reaction as Cam where I just, I rolled and I'm just like, we're still talking about Andy Warhol. I know. <laughs> we're I'm still like, talking about him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they couldn't have really done it with like any random person off the street. It has to be somebody people know. But Andy Warhol's also not as famous. Yeah, so do, weird do children me. even know who right? he is? I don't know. So here's the thing, and maybe my little brother's the exception. Mm-hmm. I have a little brother who's 18, and he loves Andy Warhol <laughs> and mm-hmm. David Bowie and, like, mm-hmm. all, all these very retro things. So I don't know if he is the exception where he just likes 
retro, and I say this in air quotes, like vintage retro mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. or if like maybe kids these days do like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, if they're obsessed with like cassette players and things like that. Because he actually coming back. Oh my god, my little brother for Christmas got a cassette player. Like he wanted that. I'm not judging your brother. I just can't imagine going back to he, the cassette players. He They're likes the awful. sound. No. That's what his thing he wants to record on it. You like it when your your tapes skip? And like, like the, after the actual listens? tape like comes out of the cassette. <laughs> Oh. We're old, but yeah. Well, is... the, I mean, Andy Warhol's before our time, so like, why are they bringing him back? <laughs> fifteen minutes, damn it! <laughs> more than fifteen minutes. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> I'm over it. Over it. I'll still over eat you, King. I'll still eat you, but whatever. <laughs> let us know what your thoughts are. Um, mm-hmm. Let us know what your thoughts are are on Basquiat. Actually, yes. um, check him out definitely check him out um mm-hmm. he's a definitely a really good artist and one way of us to celebrate black history month yeah we just wanted to highlight you know his work um as he's also before our time too and, um, <laughs> just talking about everyone before our I time think he's more interesting than andy warhol um and to end on like sort of a lighter note very one of the very first things that i had ever discovered of Basquiat's, or discovered, you know, like, saw, I guess, was, like, I think in, like, a magazine or something, there was, like, a picture of the Mona Lisa. I don't know if you ever heard of this or seen this, but, and, like, he wrote something, I think, in French that meant, like, it just meant she has a big ass or something. (laughs) I think that's what it was. And I loved it. (laughs) I was just like, this is awesome. (laughs) Um... But at that point, I hadn't really known a lot about him. It was early, early. Probably well, you're talking about the 1983, like his version of Mona Lisa? Maybe. This one? I don't know. Could be. I. Uh, but from my memory, it was like he had, he was like at somebody's house and like wrote in their book. <laughs> <laughs> and like just wrote it in French. I don't. I could be totally misremembering or something, but I'm. I like your certain. version. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what <laughs> a nice way to end the episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that that was enjoyable and it was a real episode this time. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and may, we might change the format. I'm not sure. This is our first, you know, speaking of an artist, mm-hmm. like the artist profile. Yes, we. I mean, I love doing this. I like. I want to know more about artists anyway. So we should definitely continue i think yeah me too cool beans coolest of beans um well i think that'll about do it yeah that cool. will do it <laughs> do it little pig i'll do little pig <laughs> all right well until next week bye Before we go, we just want to give some credit to Jonathan Stutz for providing us with um, their amazing music throughout this podcast. Um, if you want to find more of their music, including the song that you hear on uh, the intro and outro to our podcast called Rushing, you can find that at stutzmusic.bandcamp.com. And that's spelled S-T-U-T-Z music.bandcamp.com. Feel free to write to us at drunkartchatpod at gmail.com 
You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Drunk Art Chat. Yeah, if you visit our anchor.fm uh, profile, which is just anchor.fm slash drunk dash art dash chat, you can also donate to us. If you're already supporting us by uh, subscribing, we thank you so much. And if you are feeling generous, you are able to uh, give either 99 cents a month, $4.99, or $9.99. Your choice. Um, or if that, that link is too long to remember, just go to bit.ly slash donate, all one word. And, uh, you know, that money will go towards drinks and paying for our SoundCloud account and all, all sorts of good stuff. All right, well, until next time, I'm Cameron Benamone. I'm Stephanie Ledesma. And this has been Drunk, Drunk Art, Art Chat. Chat.